a question. Do we have a... Is there ever a sequence in the MCU canon where it's elaborated where Pepper Potts gets that outfit from in Endgame when she rocks up in the, the Iron Man suit thing in Endgame? Like the um, blue one? No. It's just, just in it. Yeah, the, the I was actually looking into this. The Iron Man suit is like... The like changes to it are like not really explained. Mm. Like how I think in the last one, it becomes like this fucking nanobot suit thing that yeah. just like builds onto him, mm. and it just happens between films. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow, she gets she gets what she wants, and she's like, "Put me in a suit. I'm Goop. <laughs> Buy Goop. Can we put Goop on the back of it? No, Gwyneth Paltrow, we can't put Goop on the back." Don't worry, Tony. Let me give you some goop. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the 250, the podcast where we like to feel his eyes on us when we look away. That's weird wording. I'm Jonathan and with me as always is my co-host Douglas. How are you, Douglas? Well, well, we always go the podcast where we, so I was trying to make it fit within like a collective thing. Did you want to- It's just his eyes. Did you want to make it where where I like to feel it? Just you. It's a you thing, is it? I, okay, I see how it is, Sean. I'll just sit here. Don't worry. Off you go. Okay. Uh, th- uh, thanks, Douglas. Uh, if this is your first time tuning into the 250, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and we've begun watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, our thoughts, and our reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 196, is Before Sunrise. Yeah, that, our opinions. Our thoughts. I'm not doing this. Let's do the fucking summary. <laughs> While traveling to Vienna, an American by the name of Jesse strikes up conversation with a student named Celine who's en route to Paris. Through lengthy philosophical and personal conversation whilst perusing Vienna, the two form an unbreakable bond. Before Sunrise is written and directed by Richard Linklater, who did uh, the other two, the two sequels to this film, as well as School of Rock. And did he write or direct School of Rock? He directed School of Rock. Okay, that makes sense. Did Jack Black write School of Rock? Because it seems like... There's a part of me that wants to say yes. Let me double check that. Keep doing yeah. your thing. Um, it was also written by Kim Krizan, who Douglas has written a note, says that they write comic books now. Yeah, they their only writing credits are pretty much before sunrise and before sunset, and mm. it, since two thousand and eight, they just they're doing comic books now. So fucking good on them. Did they not write before midnight? No. Interesting. So, uh oh. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Jack Black did not write for School of Rock. Oh, he it was damn. a fella by the name of Mike White, and you want to guess what what other what other stuff he's written? Sorry, Jack Black and Mark White. Mike White. <laughs> Mike White, still. <laughs> Good team. Uh, mm. You want to know what else he's written? What else has he written? Pitch Perfect 3, Nacho Libre, and get oh. this, the Emoji Movie. <laughs> okay. Neither Douglas nor I have watched this film before. New. But we have watched <gasps> its sequel back in, oh, I don't know. Dude, it must have been like weeks. February or March, right? First couple of weeks of the podcast. It's got to be around yeah. this time last year. Mm. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah, it's freaky. It's, it was a really, really interesting one to come back to. It was always like so far off in like our minds. Where I was listening to the episode the other day and it's like we're talking about, you know, like, oh, we'll get to see like the original one. And, you know, we're acting like it's fucking 10 bajillion years down the line. And now here we are. It's kind of an existential moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love. Don't you love that shit? Oh, it's great. Uh, before Sunset was number 238. So we would have yep. watched it in... And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Wait, why am I counting them out? Um, we would have watched it uh, probably in March or maybe we were doing at the them start in of April. Three film basically, at that point. basically a year ago. Mm. Yeah, that's freaky. Yeah, holy shit, cooked. Oh, I, I mean, did you like it, Douglas? I loved it. I had and as much of a of a good time with this one as I did with Before Sunset. It's it's kind of it's very odd because I don't think many people will have watched it in the order that we have. No, going sunset then sunrise, and I think that in the way that you're looking at me right now, I feel like that might have been detrimental to your experience, but it wasn't to mine. It was more so like 
closure and kind of gaining a further understanding of where they're at in before sunset like psychologically mm-hmm. emotionally just like their maturity as well like they're they're so young here and it's so cute this film is as old as i am as well i just yeah. realized that mm. freaky i uh no i didn't i didn't think it was detrimental i just thought it was kind of interesting i i i wish that we had some comparison for someone who'd watched it in the correct order yeah um mm. to see if there's any kind of weird biases we've got going on as a result but we don't so you know, well, remains like to it. be seen. It's only seven minutes into the podcast. John, body pump the brakes. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, I uh, I liked it as well. I, I Okay. So the obvious question with this is, which one do we enjoy more? Don't say it. I think... I think... What if we play a little game Uh-oh. where we try not to betray our opinion of which one is better until we get right to the end? Okay, right, sure. Just, just before we hit the trivia mark. Right. All right. We'll we'll discuss <laughs> which one we think is better. All right. Fair. Okay. I right, just uh, but but if we work it out, I can we can shatter you in the middle of the episode and be like, ha ha! <laughs> I knew that, that you liked yeah, okay, all right. one or the other okay, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, gonna shit. I'm gonna tread carefully. Carefully now. Fucking walking this is a on chaotic bullshit. Right I'm totally gonna forget. Uh, I'm gonna say something. Yeah, I'm you're just gonna, gonna say it out. Play your hand, aren't you? Mm. Anyway, extremely enjoyable. I guess yeah. we can actually start talking about the podcast instead of just meta podcast talk. Sorry, not about the podcast. We can start talking about the film instead of meta podcast talk. <laughs> um, fuck. We can start talking <laughs> about the podcast more, not the film. So the two five zero. So the two. How do you think we're going? What, what's, with the yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's take a look at the analytics. Um, so don't do that. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I think the the response I had immediately as you kind of get into that intro bit, the the phrase that jumped into my head is that it's like a big warm, like it's like you're coming home. You're like, oh. Oh, I get to hang out with these people that I love so much for yeah. an hour and 40 minutes and they're just <laughs> going to talk bullshit. Oh, and you just get to watch some extremely good acting and like conversational acting and like interaction and shit. And you're like, I'm leaning away from the microphone. That's like bad. Probably not going to sound good. It's, it's so, so nice. It's, it, and just like uplifting i guess i don't know what the term is it does feel very comfy like the because we've already had before sunset and we kind of know what to expect Mm. out of this film it's yeah it's definitely kind of i completely agree the first sentence like right from their like first conversation i'm like oh baby we're right back in it give me some more of that sweet Mm. juicy hyper realistic dialogue please link later just spoon feed it to me um (laughs) It's, yeah, it's phenomenal. And again, like, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, fucking, they had this shit in the bag and Before Sunset, they had it in the bag nine years prior to that. Like, it's, they're so well aware of what these characters are fundamentally and, like, I think philosophically, Mm. primarily. Like, Mm. their ideologies and their opinions on life. And I said this in the Before Sunset episode that i had dismissed romance films as kind of like ah whatever but then like some of the best films in the 250 so far have been romance films the the ones that we've been like like unequivocally like we love this they've all been fucking romance exactly or, or at least i like heavily romance based yeah yeah there's like romance i wouldn't even say tropes but themes throughout like a dry the, like a driving element motif being romance, romance absolutely yeah it it comes back again in this like it's somehow it's in the romance genre but it defies all of the tropes and things that you would expect of a romance like you Mm. your notebook kind of romance which is like very schlocky very over the top very um i mean like no fucking diss if you like the notebook that's good for you ryan gosling's a blessed babe but apparently they had very bad chemistry on set uh ryan gosling and i think Rachel McAdams. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they absolutely hated each other. And let me tell you, it shows. Um, and then in comparison with these two, you can tell there's, like, genuine connection there. Perhaps uh, there's acting romantic connection, but there's there's something there between both Julie Dolpy and Ethan Hawke and just their 
understanding of being able to act alongside one another and just being so open and receptive to everything that's being put out. Mm. And it's a constant, like, yes and game between the pair of them. And I love that. Um, Yeah. yeah, It's chemistry, Douglas. Yeah, chemistry. Chemistry. You you love chemistry. (laughs) Stand there with vials and pour it. Bad joke. Titration, Douglas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I I mean, it wouldn't be anywhere near as engaging if they didn't have chemistry. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, it's almost like a spectacle film in a way. I guess so, yeah. Like, in the other direction, like, a good, like, visual spectacle film is like, here's some crazy visual effects we did or some, like, uh, massive scale XYZ or- Lord of the or, Rings. like, fast-paced, fun action or whatever. And they're just like, here is extremely good. It's like a- in and of itself is a work of art and would still be an enjoyable watch even if it didn't actually have a story based around it. Yeah. Like, if you just had, like, an hour and a half of these people just talking to each other and it's just being a thing, um, well, I, I guess you kind of do obviously end up building a story around it because it's, like, a romantic deal. Mm. But anyway, uh, it was... It's the spectacle of the skill of the writing... And the acting, and there's probably got to be... I feel like we might have talked about this with the, the first one. Well, the second one, I guess. Um, <laughs> there's got to be people coaching them on, like, human... Like, it's so good and, like... Realism I, uh, is the word you're looking for, Jonathan. Or, I mean... No, Stanislavski. I'm, what, <laughs> I'm trying to be more specific than just realism. <laughs> <laughs> You're like those fucking video game reviewers who are like, it's immersive. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like so what? So what's good about <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. Like, no, um, like you, I feel like you need, like that stuff is so unconscious in a lot of stuff that you have to be like, okay, you're gonna like adjust her, whatever, or or you know, flip your hair or whatever, that, in like a way that feels natural because that just seems so unconscious. I, I don't... It's crazy. It's crazy. I think because all of it is so... Uh, same as before Sunset. It's so minute and in control and uh, at times restrained. You know, there's a lot that's being shown and not said uh, more mm. often than not. Even though this is a film with copious amounts of dialogue. Um, it's... Yeah, there's a lot... Uh, I would say more so in Before Sunset. There's much more of the show don't tell vibes this one has a couple more moments where i'm like okay we're doing we're doing a lot of the words right now which is kind of it's setting things up it's still good but um i can you can feel the maturity and the growth in the actors and the characters between before sunrise and before sunset um Mm. which you know only naturally but it's just the fact that they wouldn't able to not only smack the ball out of the park the first time but then again the second time is mind-boggling like it's they're just so wonderfully talented creatives and i think you were touching on the the idea that romance is a central theme and i think that even if there was a platonic connection between Mm. jesse and celine i still think that the film would be just as interesting it's yeah yeah it's like just listen to two people talk philosophically about you know just life human condition opinions on things like it's Mm. and i find that interesting i love listening to other people's opinions and their thoughts and their their perspectives ideologies beliefs and both of these characters have very clear-cut though not ham-fisted ideologies and beliefs like you get through just little experiences and dialogues that they have occasionally with each other, occasionally with other people, you get a very strong idea of... Their personality. Their personality, what they believe in, what they don't believe in, what they detest, what they love. Um, it's just the the amount of reinforcement that Linklater and Kreisen give to the characters in such a short span of time is mm. monumental. Mm, mm. And it's just fucking... It's a, joy to look at as well there's some really um funky crafty shots of vienna uh in this film which i I, thoroughly enjoyed i wasn't 
paying good enough attention to the visuals. I've just Ooh. realized. I was definitely with the last one, I was paying a lot more attention. And this one, I was like just focusing on because them, Because you, you knew what you were coming for. So you were like, yeah, give I me more. Yeah, what to expect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew what the main dish was. And that's dialogue. I think the other trick is that um, France has like a lot more obvious landmarks. Like Paris has a lot more obvious Architecture. landmarks than Vienna yeah. does. Because mm. it's just like... I think we mentioned it back then. It's like they basically go past like everything that you go, that's Paris <laughs> <laughs> right there. I see it. That's um, squints and looks at scribbled out note on hand, Paris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's the Eiffel Tower in the background. And there's that fucking cathedral that Arc burned de down. Triomphe. It, the cathedral uh-huh. that burned down. <laughs> I can't yeah, remember the name of no, it. No, no, no. That's not in Paris. It is. I don't it's think. Notre Dame. It is. You grog. Oh, it was Notre Dame. Yeah. What? Yeah, it was Notre Dame that got burned down. Damn, Notre Dame got burned down. That's well, like a bro. bit of it, and then they were like, "It's fine." <laughs> All right, it's it's just the roof. Yeah, a couple of irreplaceable mosaics got destroyed, but you know what? Ah, uh, fucking tit for tat, as is the way. Basically, basically, what I'm saying is that I've been an extremely poor co-host, and <laughs> you can talk about visuals all you want, and I will just kind of nod along. Yeah, and uh-huh. like, oh yeah, I agree, Douglas. <laughs> like be- <laughs> that one shot of happen. the dog was really interesting, and like just oh, how they yeah, the, yeah. the Dutch tilt that they did on it, and how oh, yeah, the yeah, dolly yeah. shot where they pulled back from it, and then there was like oh, they managed yeah, yeah, to yeah, get yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, both like Julie and uh, uh, Ethan like kind of in the background, and it was like symbolism. Yeah, yeah for how the oh, dog yeah, yeah, yeah. and the affection oh, that he had that for bit. his bull was really like connecting with like Jesse and Celine. I just thought that was really clever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I we agree. agree. I agree. Cool. I'm cool. glad that we both picked that scene out. Cause yeah. I thought it was really important. Do you have to any kind of narrative? Uh, do, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh? Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, that was a great bit, and we should trim it down and use it in the. Uh, that's the uh, that's the Instagram, Instagram snippet right but there. But I actually maybe. didn't hear you because I was talking over you. <laughs> <laughs> it'll work. It'll work. Fighting points. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, fuck. We've prattled on about it for long enough. And if you've listened to the Before Sunset episode, and I mean, if you're watching it along with us, you've seen Before Sunset, and you kind of know mm. what you're in for with this. So if you like Before Sunset, you'll like Before Sunrise. And it's definitely more of the same. If you haven't seen Before Sunset, then fucking watch this one first. <laughs> Don't be gronks like us, and then go watch Before Sunset. So that would be my recommendation. I'm not, hey, I'm not fussed about the order that uh, I watch. Yeah, it like it. Fuck it. It doesn't <laughs> really. Matter, but like it's just I think it would it's nice context and you can find either way you do it you're gonna find deeper appreciation for the mm. second no matter if you do two then one you'll still like you'll like yeah. you'll find greater appreciation for two if you do one two then you'll find you'll go like oh two like expanded on it's mm. natural thing in sequels I guess most yeah. times <laughs> anyway mm. uh, Shrek two. <laughs> Shrek 2? Yeah, that's a, you know, greatest sequel of all time. Oh, Grace. No, yes, that is true. Yes. Unequivocally. Unequivocally, without question. Yes. Uh, Douglas, uh, I think we've just already said that we both recommend this. Mm-hmm. I was about to ask that to you. Yep. Um, f- fucking, okay. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, cow. It's kind of like, <laughs> whenever we get to the spoiler section, if there's not something that we can correlate specifically with the film, it turns into an improv session. <laughs> it's mm. like, how quickly... <laughs> it's like, first thing that pops into your head, let's go. <laughs> Spoil, uh, spoiler. Dog. Uh, grieving wife. <laughs> <laughs> A horrific crying, <laughs> yeah, wailing woman. Douglas, I am going to jump the gun because I realized after talking about this for 20 minutes that um, leaving whether or not we like the film to the end is going to make comparative discussion extremely difficult. difficult and I, that's think that's, true. I think that's an obvious choice. I think... Drum roll, please. Oh, no, no. Here's what we're doing, okay? Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm going to... Do you have a notebook there? I do have a notebook there. I want you to write down uh-huh. the film that you think I liked better... And I'm going to write down the film that I think you liked better. I'm going to show them at the same time. Okay. All right. Um, I'm just going to write the number because if I try and write the name, I will fuck it up. (laughs) Your poor son. (laughs) Son. (laughs) Night. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, Okay. I'm ready. 
I, I wish people could participate at home. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one, go. Oh! Did you like number... Okay, Douglas has written two. Correct. Did you actually like number one better? No, or did you I like, like two, two better, better as well. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad to be wrong. I love the amount of circles you drew around. Oh, I just... Yeah, I wanted to put in a circle. That's, yeah, All that's right. really nice. I've never been happier to get a question wrong on a test. <laughs> I, um... I did not dislike this film. Yeah, neither but, did I. Okay, so... Oh, God. I still want to be positive about it. I gave both it. five stars on Letterboxd, man. Like, I can't... It's it's like picking, like, between fucking uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Killian Murphy for me. It's impossible. But, like, if there was a gun to my head, I would say Before Sunset. Because IMDb separates this by about 50 films. Yep. Letterboxd has their own list and Letterboxd separates it, what, by like four films or something? Yeah, yeah, they're really they're close. really close. Yeah. They had the same rating on Letterboxd. So, uh, you know, and I, I wonder how much of that is, because uh, Before Sunset does do better in both cases. I wonder, sorry, Before Sunrise. I wonder how much <laughs> of that go. is to do with the order and whether that's why we both like two better or whether we're actually film critique geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> I thought let me stop you right there one, John <laughs> number one I think before sunset folk it knows what's good about the movie and that okay. is them having a conversation together yep. and that's almost the entire film in Literally, before sunset and yeah, before sunrise yeah. doesn't chop it up very much but it does chop it up it intersplices other people into the mix yeah, and it has shots where, you know, there'll be, like, scenes with them not talking or scenes with them on transit and, and just, like, cuts between that they just didn't really have. Like, they don't really stop talking for the entirety of Before Sunset. And yeah. I just liked that flow. And by extension, yeah, there's all these kind of extra things and visually doesn't kind of link in with that as well. Sorry, that, that didn't make sense. Um, I've, I've had a big day and I barely slept last night. <laughs> There's this visual consistency to Before Sunset. They they have lots of really long shots or or really long scenes. Yeah. Um, mm. And they'll try and follow people through the, 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 the pair through the street for an extended period of time. That happens a lot in that film. Um, it's more you really feel in it because they're not cutting to wide shots very often. They're kind of just staying in amongst it, whereas Before Sunrise doesn't do that. And I think it's a case of, yeah, like a director who can really learn from the product they made previously and go like, I think this is what did well. I think this is where it could improve. And they've kind of walked through that. And I also just liked the the history going on with the characters and, and how that plays into their relationship. It makes the drama about two thirds of the way through have more punch because the characters have history. And I like the ending like a smidgen more, the tiniest bit more. It was just like very uplifting. And and I think Before Sunrise still does a really good like sad, quote unquote sad ending because it's not like miserable. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and almost like the film almost deconstructs the concept of like stupid romances and and like sad endings and romances and stuff in a way mm. which which i have to definitely give it credit for mm. it got me teary-eyed at the end it, regardless of the fact that i knew how before sunset starts mm. it's yeah the the end of sunrise still got me teary where they're standing at the train and you know there's like ah it, for anyone who has a partner you know you've had that feeling of like where you have to say goodbye and there's that like ah fuck like i just i don't want to do it but like we're here now so it's time is a con- man-made construct that we have to follow um but yeah i i completely agree with you sunset has it expands upon all of the source material the mm. source material being before sunrise but in the same token like the other s- side of that coin before sunset can't exist without before sunrise so i mean it's in theory... Do you reckon that Before Sunset would still have that... Well, I guess it did for us. It still had the same poignancy, regardless of the fact that we hadn't seen... That's a good point. Yeah. Mm. Like, Before Sunset is... Uh, it could, it's totally works standalone. Mm. And and after us watching Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, <laughs> like... You still can see our how longest bad- episode, by the way. <laughs> Congrats to us. Um, you can see how badly you can fuck up making a sequel... Yeah. 
uh, stand aloneable. Yeah. That film, like, it, it does a fun job as someone who didn't know the story of drip feeding you what happened. Yeah. Through, through that story. And, and the other thing is there's things like, um, they have a thing in Before Sunset where she, or there's like some conversation about the amount of sex they had or whether they had sex or something like that. And I feel like if you'd watched it in order, you'd know that whatever the conversation was, like one of them was wrong about the whatever, how much it was or whatever it was. But going to Before Sunset, you had, you're like, oh, I don't actually know what happened. And yeah. it's like a legitimate point of contention where you're like, oh, that's well, kind of interesting. I wonder what was going on there. Hmm. And I think you could, and I think they should have with Before Sunset. They have like, a, like one flashback scene. Right at the top, they have a flashback Extremely scene. short, but- you could have just done away with that. It, the film stands so well on its own that you just don't need that. This is just turning into a before sunset. I was to say you're literally just fest. talking about before sunset at this point, but yeah. Um. um any, anyway, that's that's. I think it does better because of that. Yeah. And I think before sunrise is still very good. Like I said, it's I entirely watchable. It was a great time as someone who's watched it before. Maybe you should watch the Mulder because then you get the second, the better film. Yeah, second. you get the like that super hot payoff where film. you're like, oh, fuck. Wow, the first one was good, but this just kicked me in the nutsack. Mm. Um, I think I rated a lot about Ethan in Before Sunset. Ethan Hawke's performance yep. in Before Sunset. He does extremely good because there's a real, there's a sense of maturity there in before sunset and i was i was really excited to see that carefree cynicism in before Mm. sunrise and he delivers on that in spades in before sunrise he's definitely very goofy dorky uh, cynical and relatively adorable you can you can get how celine falls for him and i just what amazes me in before sunrise is the fact that he can somehow approach this character and deliver it in a way that doesn't seem creepy and it doesn't seem like uh like he's like you know i'm just trying to get in your pants ah like yeah it all of the the characteristics and everything when you just put them out on a page you're like wow that's like a little bit fucking full-on like pump the brakes kiddo but then when you watch it you're like this guy's not creepy at all he's just Mm. you you can see that he's harmless um and yeah, Ethan does a phenomenal job with that. But I still think that for Before Sunset was Ethan's tour de force. Before Sunrise is Julie's tour de force. She fucking yeah. uh, takes the whole cake and eats it in this film. She is in fucking credible in Before Sunrise because mm. she just has so much room to be able to express her vastly different ideologies to, uh, to Jesse's. And I think that that's perhaps one of the favorite my favorite bits about the screenplay of both of the films is that both characters are very different fundamentally just like psychologically how they view the world is completely different they they clash on a lot of opinions and ideas there's some that they agree on but then there's it's not all sunshine and roses there's still room for debate and for um conversation about certain things like um uh i the the bit where they're in um the the little transit car and mm. uh ethan doing the same shit that he does i think in before sunset there's a bit where he like goes to fix her hair but then like she moves and he does like the oh fuck like you know i didn't i wasn't yep. trying to fix your hair what was i doing haha <laughs> lol <laughs> and then celine very shortly you stole after- one of my notes you bitch <laughs> um and then very shortly after that uh celine talks about how men asking her to smile and then her telling them to fuck off is Mm. somehow still wildly relevant 20 odd years on down (laughs) the line um i've heard a lot of my uh female friends talk about how men go like smile it looks better on you and it's like fuck off like (laughs) i don't have to smile for you you dickhead um, it just honestly thank god for women like celine she is mm. like the, the fact that there are women on this earth that i know are like celine is yeah it, it makes the world a better place mm. thanks celine yeah good on you what a treasure um yeah i i what i because i've been such a fucking terrible piece of shit 
Could you give us some visual insight, Douglas? Because I had, I got nothing. I mean, like the towards when we're doing like the epilogue and you know we're uh, wrapping the film up it's daytime and they do all of those they do the montage yeah the montage shots of like places that they'd been i just thought that, that it was like they use the same setting shots just minus mm. the actors and mm. in daytime rather than mm. uh whatever period of uh, what time it was when they were last there afternoon evening night it just you the the dialogue is so ingrained into your mind and the experiences in that because it's so short they're right there in the front of your mind that when the camera shows you these locations you're like oh it's like going on like a fucking theme ride theme park ride for the second time it's like oh that's where this happened oh yeah and that happened over there and then oh they talked about that there it's kind of it's a celebration of the film itself and a celebration of the memories that they shared at those points in time. And I just thought that that was very cute. Jonathan is shaking mm. his head at me, so I'm assuming that you did not like the montage. I Was I shaking my head? You are. I, uh, okay, <laughs> you're welcome. All right. <laughs> Paging That's Dr. so Freud. unconscious. I, I, I just didn't really like the montage at the end. I, I wrote this in my review, which I told Douglas not to read. Um, I did on not. On Letterboxd. Thank you, because you put you put a spoiler thing on it, and then I was like, "Well, I'm not reading that." <laughs> yeah, it has it had at the top of the top of this. Douglas, don't you dare read this before we do the podcast <laughs> as well. So even if you did click the spoiler, um, uh, yeah, I it it just stank to me of the film trying to make you feel things. Yeah. Okay. Mm, fair um, enough. Which you know, I think the film was doing a perfectly fine job of that as mm. it was like, mm. it's a very emotional ending and you can have them like looking out the window and like, I don't think you need to do more than that. Although it is, I will admit it is quite just visually fun to go back to those settings in and the see them in a different, and, yeah. Different time of day. Yeah. Um, Here's a question completely unrelated. Um, they're, they're on a rooftop at a bit uh, for a, for a bit. Does that look like the rooftop from Lahane to you, or is that just me? Kinda, actually, yeah. Now I can't go to the comparison. <clears throat> there are similarities between Paris's architecture and Vienna's architecture. I think yeah. there's a good level of comparison that can be made there because there were times where I was like, "This feels awfully Parisian," and then you know we're like, "Oh, it's actually no, we're in Vienna, so shut the fuck up, you grog." <laughs> um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it is because Lane was filmed in in France. Paris. Yeah, yeah, in the banlieues of Paris. Yeah, and while there is like, there's like situations where they like, you know, say a location is one area and it's and it's another area that looks kind of similar just because it's easier to film there or xyz i feel like paris is not one of those places where you're like i get we'll just we'll just look vienna's too hard vienna come on vienna no we'll just film in paris one of the biggest tourist hotspots in the world i know the eiffel tower and the arc de triomphe are right there but hear me out point the camera a little bit further <laughs> we'll crop it out yeah <laughs> it's easy post. we'll just ching letterbox that bitch it's fine don't worry about it pillar boxing that's yeah pillar mm-hmm. people we'll have been talking about that for free um, that shit people have been talking about that with uh the jack the jack snyder the zack snyder the cut. jack snyder Jack Schneider. Is that his lesser known brother? <laughs> he did his uh, own no. cut of the Justice League film and he's uh, wondering no. why no one's coming to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know my big brother made a cut of the Justice League, but I made but one hear me too. Out. Mine's 30 minutes long. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, the kind of, uh, that's the kind of cut that I would make. Yeah, yeah I, damn, I, Jack. I I'm with that. you all the way, baby. Let's go. Get it done, in and out. Uh, yeah, sorry, coming back to <laughs> the fucking film. I think uh, just uh, some of the lines in this one were a bit more, like they kind of hit me in the dick a bit more than some of the lines in Before Sunset. They're, it's much yeah. more uh, hopefully optimistically romantic, I think, mm. Sunrise. The sunset has a kind of a solemn, like, time is passing and yeah. it's kind of it's gone you know the moment is gone we're having this moment right now and that's great but like the the time when it was supposed to happen is long gone and before sunrise is the time that is happening and it has so many 
gorgeous lines and moments i think that really like they give me like that oh i'm like oh that's really sweet um the the line that we use in the opening the i like to feel his eyes on me when i look away fucking oh fuck because he does it all the way throughout the film and in before sunset he like he his eyes are just trained on her even when she's like you know looking away looking out a window or something he is just like it's just eating her up with his eyes um Mm. which ethan does very well it's not as cringe as i was expecting it to be but the the bit where they're at the restaurant and he goes can i tell you a secret and then she leans in and he kisses her i was like damn that was somehow (laughs) really smooth (laughs) yeah yeah it's there's like there's something about there's like a lot of little weird things going on in this film like weird interactions and like weird quirks and i think you take so much of the the rest of the film so seriously that you take it in stride and it almost like improves how believable the film is yeah you're just like well kind of weird stuff happens all the time but it's just like kind of weird you know yeah the Um, two actors that they bump into and that being a Chekhov's gun for the end of the fucking movie where they're like oh we forgot to go to the play (laughs) yeah Chekhov's gun didn't go off damn it (laughs) (laughs) fuck zero out of ten what is it for (laughs) (laughs) what's the point I was I was really hoping for the cow play, so I yeah, was a little too. disappointed was, by that. But. The way that they were describing it, they're so fucking cute, by the way. Those two mm. actor dudes, bless their <laughs> cotton socks. They're so fucking genuine, and they're like, I, yes, I, I do play the cow. And, like, you know, uh, come see it if you want. Like, you know, you don't have to, but, like, it's it's we're in it, so... <laughs> Mm. <laughs> it's so it's so fucking wholesome like all of those cameo characters is as you were saying that's something that's not present in before sunset uh, yeah I don't, are there any real like there are conversations with you know like um like drivers and stuff in before sunset but i don't think there's this conversation that like takes them away from their conversation no it's like the the conversation is purely encapsulated between the pair of them but in this one yeah they kind of bump into people as they're walking around the poem dude i thought was really fun yeah this dude just smoking a cigarette by the fucking river and just all these fucking papers around him he's like obviously like completely fucked and just like hey you want a bob ah you pay me however much you think it's worth i love that it's it's just such a like a kooky european-y kind of kind of artist artisty thing yeah yeah <laughs> they just yeah. be like yeah i'm just smoking on the river yeah Do you want a poem? poems <laughs> you want a poem you fucking and it's actually quite a good poem i thought it was a really nice poem yeah it wasn't too bad mm, mm. it was cute mm. and then like it's but it's all in service all of the the cameo conversations are in service of their own conversations, I mm. think. And their own... The sort of springboards, yeah. Their own ideologies and beliefs. Like, the things that happen around them are ways for them to go, bing, let's talk about that. Like, mm. before they bump into Poem Guy, they're talking about something that, like, they're getting into an argument. Like, they're on the, the cusp of, like, a before sunset-esque argument. And then the Poem Dude kind of butts in and goes like, what, you want a poem? And then they're like, oh, <laughs> hey. well shit all right and they acknowledge it they're like shit i think we're about to just we're about to have a fight just then like it's <laughs> yeah like it's most of the time it's in service of ethan's uh, i should say jesse's uh cynicism and his like mm. you know very clean cut way of looking at the world but like it's also you can tell he's he doesn't buy into things but at the same time he's a romantic which i think is a very interesting kind of headspace to 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 think about of like he doesn't buy into like palm reading fortune telling horoscopes any of that shit that being said he's incredibly romantic and he has a uh, a, a passion for being romantic so i it's i it seems that yeah i think he is a romantic person and he'd be totally comfortable to go along with shit like that most of the time but I, it's just because of his basically like heartbreak ruining that yeah Yep. Yep. Perhaps, yeah. He's be- he's just become more jaded as a result of prior experiences and prior relationships, hmm. which is can happen to people. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, can and does. Yeah. I I actually had like not that many notes on this one, and I think it was easy to do because it was more just kind of mental comparisons between the two films. That yeah. 
yep. that don't require much writing down. Yeah, a lot of these are like complaints. <laughs> oh. Uh, the, the little record room thing. Listen, be seen. I love that. I thought that was what an, inter- what an interesting shot. Mm. That was that was like that was pretty good. It was like uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, because like, it's the awkwardness of like, you know, yeah. you're you're with this person who you barely fucking know and you're hanging out in this tight space. There's that energy of like Jesse is so set on kissing her. Like he yeah. keeps on like, you know, lean. Oh fuck no, okay, all right, we're just listening in the booth that the kiss no, okay, we're just <laughs> <laughs> He's a he's an awkward fucking puppy. Yeah, yeah, and that's the that's the one like kind of conversation break that I was like not that bothered by. It, it still sort of made it, it still had that one on one kind of interaction that it was playing with, so that's fine. Yeah, I think my uh, we have reached the forty minute mark. My number one takeaway is that you should never have sex with someone who's wearing Converse. True. I stand. I'm. I'm going to stand by that. That's no. It's that's a red mm. flag. That is yeah. a red flag. You're right. Mm. In ni- '95, I guess not. In not, 2020, yeah, '95, we can we can cut them a little. 2021. Bit of slack, but year of our Lord, 2021. Mm. Someone in their like mid twenties wearing mm. Converse and don't a leather have sex jacket. With them. Mm. Yeah, no, no, no. God. It's a no from me, babe. Whenever they hugged and you could hear the foley of Jesse's leather jacket, like squeaking, <laughs> like rumping, I was like. Ooh, boy. Hmm, <laughs> interesting. Yummy. <laughs> you polish that um, bad boy, Ethan? What's going on? Anyway, uh, I think I've, I think I've kind of run myself out. It's like one of those ones where we, we have a movie that we like a lot and we don't have much to fucking say about yeah, it. Yeah, it's always the romances, man, because it's just so gooey and it's so nice. It's just nice to have, mm. especially when I've already seen Persona. Uh, strap in. Um, Okie dokie. It's it's one to think about, most definitely. It's a short one, though, so that's nice. Um, Okay, cool. Influential film, unquestionably. But, yeah, I'm glad that we've had this as, like, a kind of palate cleanse to then head into uh, Persona, most definitely. So Yeah, mm. There was a moment where Celine was talking about... I think she's saying that romance is... Not so much like what's happening between... Uh, sorry, what's happening with two people, but it's like the space between. There's a line mm. that's like that. And mm. that... Re- yeah. Um, I believe if there's, if there's any kind of... This is quote, Celine. I believe if there's any kind of God, it wouldn't be in any of us, not you or me, but just this little space in between. I think that that's a really unique perspective and way of thinking. Mm. It's a... I just haven't heard anyone talk about it like that before like the the space in between people between two people or just between a person and the world you know uh she goes on if there's any kind of magic in this world it must be in the attempt of understanding someone sharing something i know it's almost impossible to succeed but who cares really the answer must be in the attempt and fuck that's a lot to like unpack like from a Mm. From a subtext kind of view and a philosophical kind of view, that's a lot to fucking digest. But, like, she hit all of that and, like, just went, like, bleh, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> it was it was a big, like, uh, I'm 12 and this is so deep moment for me. <laughs> like, it really was... It made me feel super fucking woke listening to Celine say that. So, I was like, well, that's going in the notebook. <laughs> um, well, Douglas. Hi. Do you have any uh, trivia about 1995 Richard Linklater's Before Sunrise? No, I don't, but I have trivia about the uh, Justice League 2021 Zack Snyder cut, if you want. (laughs) No, I do. (laughs) I'll take it. Sorry, the the 2021 Jack Snyder cut. That's the one that I've got lots of trivia on. Yeah, yeah. There's not much trivia. There's lots of trivia about all the footage that got cut because it's only, as we know... 25 minutes long. Did you so. know uh, 46 hours worth of footage was left on the editing room floor? It's pretty crazy. It was a bold move. Yeah. They did a yeah. lot of work. <laughs> the budget really yeah. went down the fucking pipe. Mm. Um, the full poem that the poet writes for Celine and Jesse goes as follows. Quote, mm. 
Daydream Delusion, Limousine, Eyelash, Oh Baby With Your Pretty Face, Drop a Tear In My Wine Glass, Look At Those Big Eyes, See What You Mean To Me, Sweet Cakes And Milkshakes, I'm A Delusion Angel, I'm A Fantasy Parade, I love those, I Want You To Know What I Think, Don't Want You To Guess Anymore, You Have No Idea Where I Came From, We Have No Idea Where We're Going, Lodged In Life Like Branches In A River, Flowing Downstream, Caught In The Current, I Carry You, You'll Carry Me, That's How It Could Be, Don't You Know Me, don't you know me by now far out that's cute i like that a lot the fucking i'm a delusion angel i'm a fantasy parade that shit sounds like a mega death lyric i'm fucking all for that (laughs) it sounds like death grips yeah 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 (laughs) i'm a delusional angel i'm a i'm a fantasy parade (laughs) you um we already had this little bit of trivia in before sunset but i think it's worth mentioning once again uh, the idea for the movie came from a night Richard Linklater spent walking around Philadelphia with a woman called Amy, whom he met very uh, briefly. Contrary to the movie, they stayed in touch for a while until contact was lost. Linklater never heard from her again, not even when he became a director and before Sunrise was released. It wasn't until 2010 that he found out that Amy had died in a traffic accident before the release of the first film in the trilogy. No. Oh, so she didn't even get to see it. <laughs> It's so sad. Yeah. It's a real bummer. <sighs> Richard Linklater left out subtitles, but in the opening sequence, the couple on the train is actually arguing in German. The man is reading in his newspaper how 70,000 women are addicted to alcohol. The script translated the squabble as follows. You're one of them, he says to his wife. She volleys back, saying he's the alcoholic. I have a reason to do it. I'm married to you, he retorts. i do like that he didn't put in subtitles for that little exchange because it it sets you within the 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 headspace of uh jesse and celine of like what the fuck are they talking about yeah exactly Um, yeah that that conversation opening conversation between them wouldn't have had the same weight if they uh if if we knew knew exactly what what they were talking about yeah yeah Uh, most of the script was rewritten by Julie delpy and ethan hawke delpy later expressed frustration that they were uncredited for their work uh, but they were credited in before sunset, so yeah, there's the change. Yeah, it's like something like that. It's like you need the actors to be like intricately uh, involved in the writing, otherwise you're just not. It's not going to work. Yeah, I I genuinely can't believe they didn't get uh, credited for their work because that's mm. fucked. Um, mm. Unlike this film, which did not credit the screenwriting contributions of Hawk and Delpy, the two stars received writing credits for the sequels, and as a result were nominated for two WGA awards and two Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. They deserve it. Woohoo. It was good. Mm. In 2012, Hawk told The Guardian he and Delpy performed controlled improvs about what Jessica would say to convince her to come with him. Delpy mentioned Celine would only get off the train for someone who was funny and smart. Quote, We finally came up with this idea that I was a time traveler, Hawk said. She was like, Okay, that I would get off the train for. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Some like fucking that. time traveler's wife shit. <laughs> yeah. When Richard Linklater first considered casting Ethan Hawke, he thought that the actor was too young for the part. Linklater saw Hawke at a play in New York City and reconsidered after talking to the actor. Hmm. All happens on the stage, baby. Bye-bye. Uh, the screenplay was written in 11 days. Sorry, 11... Sorry, hold up. G- give me that one more time. 11 days. What the fuck? <laughs> what do you mean? What have I done in 11 days? Like, the, There's eat- nothing else going on in the film. That should have taken months. Shit, like 11 times? Fucking God. hell. Yeah. Far out, okay. Mm, mm. It is a fact. Linklater said this when asked about the improvisation in Before Sunrise, quote, it's a compliment when people think it's, uh, when he says it's the Sunrise trilogy, uh, is improvised, but I don't think anyone could ever understand how much work it is for them, Delpy and Hawk. Delpy also explained the lack of improvisation, quote, the truth of these movies is they are tediously rehearsed, every detail planned, every overlapping line scripted, end quote. She told the Chicago Tribune in 2013, it's so precise that it's almost a joke when people think we are acting off the cuff. Yeah, yikes. So. I was, um, I was looking at uh, the pinball scene and I'm like, I wonder how they managed that, like, because because they have to like change where they're standing mm. according to how they're going with the game, um, and I think one or two of them 
like make comments when they lose and uh, like they feel like they're getting into the actually getting into the game they're not just kind of miming along to it yeah. so uh, it's freaky mm, mm. talented fucking actors uh, yeah really talented before sunrise only grossed five million domestically which is extremely low however adjusted for inflation it became the highest grossing film of the before trilogy at 10.5 million while the films were not in high demand at the box office, Linklater, Hawk, and Delpy all wanted to make a sequel and did so with Before Sunset. Yeah, I'm glad they did. Absolutely. As am I. It expands perfectly on everything that needs to uh, expand on. Uh, you know how I, I hope that... Well, fuck, we're going to have to include this now. Uh, mm. I was talking about Gwyneth Paltrow at the top of the, top of the podcast. Uh-huh. Gwyneth Paltrow and Jennifer Anderson auditioned for the lead part. <laughs> Oh, come on. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't fucking get it. Thank Far out. fuck. Oh, God. I cannot imagine either of them in Celine's position. Because that would be absolutely horrendous. Yeah, that'd be not as good. My boy uh, Adam Goldberg has a little cameo in here. He's a dude who's asleep on the train in one of the in the opening sequence. Sorry, who? Uh, Adam Goldberg is known for uh, saving Private Ryan... Ah, uh, fucking that one film with Russell Crowe, uh, Beautiful Mind. There's, there's an Adam Goldberg who, who was a recurring character on the Harmontown podcast because oh. he kept going to the show. I don't think it's him though. I think Adam Goldberg in the show was fairly young. Adam Goldberg's a relatively young dude. Well, he was in this film yep. 25 years ago. He can't be that young. Oh, I guess so. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, he was in this a dude's bunch like thirty. Of, he's in a bunch of stuff. He's a cool dude. I like him. Anyway, whatever. Sorry. Uh, Link later said this on Jesse and Celine seeing each other again. I always said that the movie was a litmus test for how you view romance. He told the New York Times in two thousand four. "Quote: Some people would go, it's so clear they will never get back together. People were so sure." End quote. He said the viewers' interpretation depends on their romantic history. Apparently, Dolpy, Link later, and Hawk are romantics. They knew Celine and Jesse would come back together. No, which I agree. Obviously. I think the ending, if X. Nay, Before Sunset. Let's say Before Sunrise was the only film that existed canonically. Mm. My mind would definitely say that they got back together. But that's because I'm a romantic. And I think if, yeah, you weren't a romantic and you'd had poor romantic experiences, then naturally you're going to be more cynical towards romantic ideals, I think. The story with the... before sunset is they they didn't get back together that six months later because one of them got the day wrong right yes yep yeah yep because it was so like spur of the minute like you know it's just like six months from now is like actually a very inaccurate like uh metric of time yeah Mm. so hmm. uh that's all the trivia that i had yeah Mm. i don't have any trivia douglas don't look at me like that well you're a bit of a fucking wet sock aren't you (laughs) (laughs) Douglas have you been watching any non-podcast films over the last week I haven't been watching any non-podcast films but I have started watching with my partner uh, something that I've been meaning to watch for a hot minute um, because it's uh, in the top 20-ish TV shows on IMDb Sherlock Ah, wait, which one? Oh, wait, Sherlock, Sherlock, the British one. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch one, Freeman. Okay. Um, I know that it allegedly whiffs the ending, like, completely. It, mm. it feels like it's, apparently, it's completely devoid from the rest of the the franchise. Like, it's, it was going so, so well, and then, like, they just, something happened. Wires obviously got crossed in the production crew or something, and they whiffed the ending. But... Uh, I've only watched the first episode, which is an hour and a half long. There's only three episodes to each season. And they're mm. all like mini encapsulated modern time versions of Arthur Conan Doyle's work. Um, and so far, I'm enjoying it. I can definitely see like where the fandom comes from. It definitely has that kind of uh, appeal, I think, to a, uh, to a, I guess, my sort of demographic. It would have that sort of a reach and that... Uh, yeah, appeal. Um, mm. But yeah, beyond that, nope. 
Uh, it's fucking the last thing I really watched outside of the 250 is the Kung Fu Panda trilogy. Oh, wait, no, that's a lie. I did watch something else that wasn't um, a TV show. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh-huh. which is uh, one of the films that is uh, headlining the Oscars this year. Uh, Chadwick Boseman's last performance and the one that uh. he's got the posthumous Oscar for. And I'm low-key pissed that he's going to get it and that Stephen Ewan probably isn't going to get it. But you know what? It's completely fine. It's uh, The <laughs> fact that Stephen Ewan gets a nod is a big A+. Uh, Viola Davis gets an Oscar nod for her performance in this as well, and it, she is stellar. Um, yep. It's... For a film called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I definitely felt like it could have had a little bit more Ma Rainey, uh, who is right. Viola Davis. Um, yeah. There's a lot of Chadwick and uh, the the merry band of uh, instrument uh, players that are a part of Ma Rainey's uh, cohort. Um, but yeah, it's a very minor gripe. The rest of the film is fucking phenomenal. It's a, it's a stage play that's been effortlessly converted to screen and Chadwick takes it and fucking runs with it. Viola slam dunks the shit out of Ma Rainey. Um, uh, the jazzy vibes are so great. They're like hot and stinky. Um, uh, Chicago vibes are great. It's, yeah, it's really good. I, I just genuinely hope that Bozeman, Bozeman's legacy carries on because he is a he was an outstanding actor and yeah he did a really really good job uh, here and I would have loved to have seen him do more Black Panther so it's a mm. shame R.I.P. Mm. Um, I've been watching uh, BNA which is a, an anime by Trigger um, Meanwhile who- in the otaku corner <laughs> oh, Don't call me that Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've just been, I've been getting back into illustration, so I just wanted, like, something, like, very low-key that I can just have in the background. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, not be paying heaps of attention to if I really want to. Um, fuck, looking at Letterboxd, I really need to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League, because it's all that anyone is reviewing at Yeah, the literally everyone um, is just talking about Zack Snyder, so. But I'm also considering watching Good Time, um, oh, is that, which Douglas uh, has watched. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. Patterson film. Um, uh, other friend of mine, uh, Luke, uh, who I mentioned, he did a small film, maybe nine, ten months ago that I mentioned on the podcast. It's one of his favorite films. So I was going to try and knock that one out. So I'll get back to everybody. Absolutely. uh, What, what I thought of that one. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, guess who's got IMDb open on their, uh, on their browser and, (laughs) and, and and not the document. Um, (laughs) it's, it's me. I'm trying to find the, hold up. Where is it? I closed it. I think flicking through tabs. (laughs) So, yeah. Hello, everyone. Wow. It's me. End of episode, Jonathan. That was so uh, natural. If you enjoyed this wonderful, delightful podcast uh, that we do every week, you can listen to it next week. Uh, we put episodes out every fucking week. Uh, oh. Tuesday midnight in Australia, uh, which comes out to uh, Monday afternoons in Europe and Monday mornings in America. Uh, if you want to contact us directly, you can email us at 250.com, sorry, mail at 250.com or uh, check in on our Instagram at 250pod where we put little clips up and and tell you what's coming up next. Uh, if people really want to know what's coming up next, Douglas, where would they go? You can check out the full list of films at list.250.com. That's T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H. Dot com. Uh, we both use Letterbox, which I mentioned before. Uh, my account is Upa. That is U U U P A H. We do little reviews uh, on each podcast. <laughs> and Douglas, my username is I E N Z O K N I G H T. That's Enzo Knight. Uh, yeah, whack in either two five O Upa or Enzo Knight into the Letterbox search engine, and you will find our profiles. Uh, and there is a list of all of the films up on Letterboxd as well where you can catch, uh, yeah, everything in order from 250 all the way through to now. Um, mm. And uh, I, I normally try and keep it up to date with, like, about five films in advance of what is uh, to come on there as well. 
So, uh, mm. yeah, we already talked about what fucking films we watched and what uh, the things we've been doing. So I guess now all there is to uh, trail off into obli- oblivion, I guess. Mm. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's all right. That's um, it's on brand. No, some uh, people hate that. Are you kidding? That's like the worst thing you could do in a podcast. Oh no, Douglas! Imagine me doing something that the audience hates on a podcast. Socially appalling. That's also my brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jonathan, thanks for listening, guys. Jonathan, You're, fuck the audience. Uh, uh, having said that, thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, I really look. It's worthwhile just because I get given an excuse to watch this film because I, I did really have a good time with it and it yeah. was so much fun mm. coming back. Um, and uh, we'll check in with you guys next week with Persona. Is it Persona or is it the bonus? Might be the bonus. I reckon it's the bonus. I think we shot ourselves in the foot here. Shit. Because we started talking about the bonus like two weeks ago. We did. And I'm still not 110. Okay, let's go talk about the bonus for a little bit. Uh... Uh, love you all. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> you uh, guy. What? What will you get next week? <laughs> guy, listen I next live. week and find out. Scabbing <laughs> 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 just left.